morning, everyone. Hey, thanks for being here this morning. It's a, uh, it's a beautiful morning, and I have the distinct pleasure of introducing uh, the speakers this morning, Barb and Todd Charles, serving in Ecuador uh, with OMS. My name is David Grissom. I, I love Camp Syker. I love Camp Syker missions. I love uh, Missionary Day, long walks on the beach. Wait, sorry. Got on, got on a run there. Uh, so I, I love the fact that Linda asked me to consider doing this. I consider it a distinct honor to not just in some small way be involved in Missionary Day, but to introduce the Charleses to you, our speakers today. So do you all remember the, the show from the, I think, maybe 60s with David Carradine called Kung Fu? You guys remember that show? And there's one line that it's made its way into cultural uh, memes. The student has become the master. So it's kind of my theme of my introduction, and trust me, folks, I could speak for the entire service about the Charleses, but as Linda reminded me when she proposed me with this distinct honor, David, it's an introduction. It's not a message. So I met the Charleses. How old are you, Maddie? 20. So 19-ish years ago when Maddie was in the hospital with a, a, a heart condition that found her there. And they had made their way to our church. And uh, as I say, the student has become the master. They live lives that are the poster child for being transformed by the grace of God. Living out the calling that that scripture written on the restroom uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, puts not just on those that do the hard stuff, right? They sold their houses. They sold their cars. They said goodbye to their families. And by the way, they had 50 years combined teaching experience. Um, and you know, teachers are union jobs, right? So, poof. Gone like a vapor. So, this applies to all of us, but they did the hard stuff. So, when I first met Barb and Todd, um, Todd, you were rough, man. You, <laughs> you were rough. Not because he's like seven foot tall, and if you don't know his heart, he's a bit imposing. Um, but Todd and Barb are a picture of being transformed by grace. And real quick before I uh, introduce them, the, the student becoming the master part you know, they found their way to our church through a crisis with Maddie, and we became good friends. And wouldn't it be fun for Todd to come to me with me on one of my many trips to Haiti? Right. It'll be cool for me to show him my international man of mystery skills, and 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 show him what it's like to go on a on a on a missions trip. Well, as I sat back and watched God get a hold of he and his wife and their family, you know, you know, Todd, this really isn't your show. This is my show. You need to slow down a little bit because. You know, he went to Ecuador and he went back to Haiti. And so as the student became the master, I found myself um, Ladies and gentlemen, it's my distinct pleasure to introduce to you Barb and Todd Charles, serving with OMS in Ecuador. Thank you very much. Um, I feel like we should just sit down uh, because if you were up 
um, early for 715 prayer service, you had the distinct pleasure of listening to one of the finest and funniest and most entertaining accounts of missionary life I've ever heard um, from Rhonda. And then um, we were blessed with Brandon and Izumi's um, uh, sermon and story at 930 and then blessed again with Beth just now and David, we, we don't even deserve that introduction, but thank you. And I'm going to go a little off script here because I'm going to jump ahead and uh, because the Holy Spirit is prompting me so it's not off of his script. But just a little sneak peek, we're going to talk about calling. And I want you to know that if the only prompting you ever feel from the Holy Spirit is to listen when he says, go invite those people to Camp Psyker next weekend, and you do it, you're never going to know the end of the repercussions of the ripples and the lives that will be touched and changed just because you invited someone to sit here in this tabernacle. And that, to me, is just the most amazing working of the Holy Spirit because we were those people. And for a couple years, we thought that um, the, the Grissoms and the, the Dinguses too, because they were all from our home church, were a little crazy because 10 days of two services a day and everything else, that just sounds a little crazy, kind of like Rhonda said this morning. Y'all are lunatics. <laughs> and so we promised to come for a weekend. We committed for a weekend in 2009. And then, and Todd wasn't even here with me because he coached and uh, he had his sports had already started. And um, I called him and I said, you're going to need to bring us more clothes because we're staying for the rest of the time. And that was when we officially became psychorites. So I'm not going to go into all of that, but just that this was our home camp and just to keep that in mind, as you're listening to the missionaries, as you're listening to the stories, that you, you never, ever know when the Holy Spirit prompts you to something that seems, it, sometimes it doesn't even make sense. Just do it and just be obedient. So, we are the Charles family. We are originally from here in Ohio, Central Ohio, um, West Jeff, London area in Madison County, just west of Columbus, if you know it. Um, this is our daughter, these are our daughters, um, Olivia and Madeline, and they grew up here not for their whole life. We are not generational psychorites. Um, we, are, we are newbies, but um, they did spend their early years in the children's program and then later in, in the youth program. And um, Madeline has been here with us, and Olivia will get to come and be here with us for the next couple of days. Let's see if I can point this to the right direction. Maybe not. Okay. So, we are with One Mission Society, and we just finished our first term in Ecuador. As we know, we are second career missionaries, what we talk about. Um, so we did teach for over 20 years, and then God called us, and then we were finally obedient, and we went to Ecuador. And to say that this has been an interesting first term would be an understatement. Uh, we started our first uh, time there, our nine months of language school, for four hours a day, five days a week, for approximately 720 hours of Spanish lessons, plus homework, plus immersion in the culture. 
Um, then that has been followed by two national strikes that shut down the country for 12 and 18 days. Um, four days of hospitalization for me, not related to the strikes, and another matter, um, two of those days in ICU. And then, and that didn't have anything to do with COVID, that came before COVID. And then the worldwide pandemic that just shut everything down for everybody. So that's been our first term in a nutshell. Not exactly what we were promised when we said yes. Um, we've also, during the pandemic, had the opportunity to distribute approximately 1,000 bags of food to people in our community. Uh, we have had hosted four medical teams that saw and helped over 1,000 patients in our community. Uh, we, had a food we have a food ministry that has served approximately 1,200 meals since March and just countless opportunities to love on the people of Payatanga and the surrounding area. Um, I just, I had to write down what Azumi said earlier. She said, every experience in life is an opportunity to connect someone to Jesus. And we, I just was like, yes, that just, absolutely, every, every experience. And so we like to take advantage of those little experiences. And um, we do serve in Ecuador. We serve, Payatanga is the name of the town where we serve. It's a little town in the foothills of the Andes Mountains. Little history about Ecuador. Ecuador is a very small uh, country located just um, below Colombia and above Peru on the Pacific coast of South America. Uh, it's only about the size of Nevada, but it takes many day, many hours to travel across it because we have these great big things in the middle called the Andes Mountains. And we are in the foothills of the Andes Mountains at about 5,000 feet altitude, and we live and work. Um, our primary ministry is as camp directors of a Christian camp called Luar de Shalom, that, which means place of peace, that serves the churches of Ecuador. I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> you can go to the next one, please. Um, so this was just our language school with our teachers. As you can see, Todd sticks out in Ecuador. Um, the other tall guy in the end, he's another North American. He's a, a missionary that's now serving in Niger but um, we're with us for our first term. So yeah, the average height of the people in our community is five foot, and then there's him at six and a half feet. So people tend to recognize him. You can go on to the next one, please. Uh, this was our first medical team that we worked and served with. As we said, we have had the opportunity to work with doctors and nurses from the Cincinnati area that come down and just love on our community and um, we get to translate and just be with them. And next one, please. Um, finally, we got to go home after. We went originally to Ecuador in October 2018. Then we were in language school, and we finally got to our field of service in, um, in July of 2019. Todd immediately began working with the men from our church, um, serving the community. This was putting the roof on a house for a member of the community. Um, I got to, prior to the pandemic, I started um, teaching. I was, this was one of the hardest things for me to do was to leave what I loved. God called me to be a teacher when I was 14 years old. It was what he created me to be. So then when he asked us to leave, uh, I had a really hard time resigning from my job. I loved teaching. It is, a teacher is not just my job description, it is who I am. Um, but then I found out once I got to Ecuador that he didn't 
change who I was, he just changed my location. And so I started homeschooling our, our neighbor and our co-worker's um, youngest daughter. So we did three years, we did second, third, and fourth grade together. And then prior to the pandemic, I was teaching English in the classrooms in the community schools in, our, in Payatanga. And unfortunately, our schools just, our children just began in-person classes again in May. They have missed two entire years of school because when you're talking about online school, yeah, that doesn't exist um, in Payatanga and the poor communities. In the cities, it was fine. In the cities, it was like here. But in Payatanga, where the families have no resources and it, it didn't, so our children have literally, literally lost two years of education. So I am praying, and I would like that you would pray with me. I'm praying that when we return, we are here on our first home ministry. So we are here until we just arrived two weeks ago here in Ohio. And um, we will be in the area until January. And when we return, I hope to also be returning back to the classrooms. Next. Um, Todd and I, as I um, spoke about uh, during prayer one morning, where the youth group, uh, we're the youth group leaders for a church plant in Payatanga. And uh, we had the pleasure of taking them on little mission trips. And we have not left Ecuador, but it was still an adventure because most of our youth have never left Payatanga. So to take them to the big city of Guayaquil for a missions trip was always fun, too. Um, again, another medical team. Um, that was our last team that we hosted from North America, because you'll notice the date right before the world shut down. Next. Um, and then, really right before the world shut down, I did a, an English camp. I do English camp. Our, our school year, our kids are off um, March and April is, their, is the school holiday. And so we did an English camp, and um, we actually missed the last week of the scheduled camp because on um, March 17th, the government... Uh, ordered everything shut down and closed. The borders were closed and everything was closed on March 17th. Um, we were actually called home in April of 2020 because of the pandemic. OMS asked us to, to pray about um, returning to the United States um, for a variety of reasons. Um, we felt confident in praying for it because the government said the borders were closed. And just after they asked us to pray for that, um, they announced that they were, they were going to uh, do some humanitarian flights. And so they asked us to please be on the next one. Um, we still weren't sure if we could get there. We, were, were, we had to make it through several military roadblocks to even get to the uh, airport. But God was with us, and we now know that that was exactly where we were supposed to be. So we were home um, in Ohio from April until October of 2020. We returned to Payatanga in October of 2020, and everything was still shut down. So even though we returned, it was still shut down, but the one ministry we could do was we could distribute food um, because just like everywhere, the economy was suffering. And finally, we reopened our camp um, in October of 2021. So it's been back open for about eight months. We've, ha we've hosted five camps, and uh, things are starting to, to pick up again. 
And we had, in December of 2021, we had our first medical team back, and the people were so happy just to be able to see because we are about three hours from any sort of medical care. We have a small clinic in the town, but it hasn't been staffed with a doctor since prior to the pandemic. So um, a lot of people that are having, that have been unseen, and also, just like everything else, um, the hospitals were overwhelmed with COVID, and so everything else was just stopped. And so we have people with chronic medical conditions that hadn't been seen in two years. And uh, we continued with our youth group back. We got to start meeting back in person in uh, 2022. And our church was uh, reopened also in October 2021. And uh, we did um, do, most recently, we had hosted our medical team again. And Olivia and Madeline were able to be there for us. And that took the translating off of us because they're much better at translating than we are because they're younger. And they remember all those words. So that was a blessing just to have them with us and working alongside us again. And we are building, well, in 2019, we broke ground for a new chapel on the, on the camp. And of course, that was shut down. So finally, seeing some progress on the chapel, we hosted our first work team and uh, was able, you can't really tell it here, but it's a beautiful view over the mountains and a stone um, chimney inside the fire and fireplace. And we were able to get the stone put on and the electrical wiring. So we have lights and we have a chimney. So no walls yet. Um, so this is just a quick snapshot of what God has allowed us to do the past four years. Um, we are... This is God's ministry. We're simply his partners. And um, as, as everybody here that prays for us and supports us and just knows us and remembers us. So we just want to thank you for all of that and all that you do. If I could get you to back up just to the, the gentleman in the tiger-striped pajamas. There you go. Uh, one, there you go. Uh, so as Barbara said, you know, we got to be blessed to be able to help with some medical teams. Uh, the gentleman uh, with the white beard, I, I don't know if, I can't really see if he's wearing his mask or not, but that's Dr. Greg Wallace from Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And he's referred to as uh, Papa Noel, Santa Claus, because <laughs> of his, his little beard and stuff. But the gentleman with him, and we're still trying to figure this out for sure, because we just don't know for sure, but we've heard anywhere from 106 to 111 years old. And he lives outside of Payatanga, probably a half hour ride up a dirt road. And so we went and saw him, and I asked to go back there because this is one thing that's, that has really blessed our hearts and, and God has allowed us to be a part of. Let me repeat that. God has allowed us to be a part of is some of these medical teams. And when we were there seeing this, this gentleman, they just they come out of the mountains, basically. They hear there's a doctor, and they come. And one lady spoke to us and said, we are so thankful that you guys are here because so often we just feel forgotten. To get into town, most people in Ecuador do not have a car. Um, where they live, cars are very rare down that road. Uh, so they would either have to walk or catch a, catch a car, catch a truck as it goes by. But that could be a long walk or take a while. 
So they, were, they felt isolated, and you know, to hear those words and, and to feel God saying, you know, you're doing the right thing. You're here for what I called you here to do. It's just such an amazing thing, so I wanted to just back up for that a little bit. So thank you for that. Um, so I am Todd, and as Barbara said, we are in Ecuador, South America, and I wanted to talk to Dave for a second. I may not be able to do it either, brother. But, uh, you know, when I met Dave, rough is a kind word, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> um, Madeline's birth and all that she went through is what brought me to Christ. So, saved 20 years. Thank you, Lord. And to have men in the church like David Grissom and Carl Dingus, who I feel have been such a blessing to me and, and have helped guide me and help mold me into a God of man, because I think I'm just glimpses of you guys. It's just, just thank you so, so much for the kind words and for being a part of our lives for so long. And I know a lot of people know Dave Grissom. I did have the pleasure of going on twice, so I was not only fool enough to go once to Haiti with Dave Grissom, but twice, and we just had a blast serving God and, and just just amazing. And for me, I can say that's what started my road to missions. Our church, small little country church, was very involved, is very involved in missions around the world. They support missionaries. And I, I, I got to be on the board of the church, and one time Pastor Jerry told me, he said, listen, Todd, when we have hard times, when it looks like we can't meet the budget, and we're talking of a church of maybe 100, 120 people. When we can't meet the budget, we give more to missions. We give more to our missionaries. And God is always faithful. And to, to grow up as a Christian in that kind of environment, that church, is such a blessing. It's such a blessing. So they went to Haiti. I think they was on the trip. And they came back and they were telling the stories of how God had impacted their lives in Haiti and and. At that time, I heard the Holy Spirit, and I was a Christian for two years. The Holy Spirit say, next time you have an opportunity, go. Go. And I did. And it changed my life. I often talk to people, and I said, you know, for me, there are two things as a Christian that has impacted my life and changed the way I, my relationship with God. And the first one is... I had, you know, when the, the Passion, the movie The Passion came out. And it was such a well done movie that it really, for me, opened my heart and opened my eyes to what Jesus did for me. The pain and the suffering that he went through for me. And the second thing is go. It may not be to Haiti, it may not be to Ecuador. And it doesn't have to be. There are so many places in the United States that need God's word, that need the hope of Jesus. So just go. Get out of your comfort zone. I'm sorry if I'm going to offend somebody here. 
Serving dinner at church is not it. Get out of your comfort zone and go. Go be the hands and feet that Jesus desires. So, okay. Sorry. All right. So, this week, the first nights, Pastor Shellen talked about why are you here? Now, I had a whole other thing planned, and I thought you were going were to steal my thunder a little bit as well. Because the first night he talked about the heavens and the stars. And as a junior high science teacher, so Rhonda and I have a lot in common. I taught 7th and 8th grade science for 22 years. And one of the favorite things I used to like to talk about was astronomy. Because the beauty and glory that God has given us just that. And I thought that was what I was going to talk about this week. And Pastor Shellen was right. If, if you've ever get a chance to go to South America or anywhere where you can just shut off the lights and look at the heavens, I often say, I don't know how anybody can look up and not believe. I don't know how it's possible. The beauty and majesty and glory of God is written all over that sky. So I don't know how anybody can say, oh, well, that's just an accident. But so he, he said, why are you here? And that changed everything for me this week. And, you know, I had to, I had to question myself, why am I here? Am I here just because I was invited to be a, a speaker as a missionary? Syker has always been a special place. It always is a time of renewal for me. And this week, God's been working hard on my heart. I'm pretty sure you all know, as Christians, it's not always easy. And as a missionary, it's not easy. You know, it's not easy sometimes. The enemy wants to destroy and stop the gospel from being shared. And how's he going to do He's going to do that through lies, through the deceit. Gets into your mind and says, no, this is not where you're supposed to be. This is not your calling. This is not your purpose. Right, but we have to hold fast to the truth of Jesus and what he has called us to do, and that is to spread the gospel throughout the world. So, the thing that came to my mind after Pastor Shellen talked about why are you here? Why are you here? Is purpose and calling. So what is your purpose and what is your calling in life? You know, when I was teaching I, I, or coaching, I would be able to tell, tell kids, students, athletes, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this to get better, get stronger, get faster. And one thing I've learned is sometimes they just can't. So if someone is telling you, I think you, sh you should be a doctor. Todd, I think you should be a doctor. You don't want me to be your doctor because <clears throat> that's not what God has made me to be. That's not what God is, the talents that God has given me. You know, and if you missed Brandon's talk this morning, Barbara touched on something Izumi shared. Brandon talked about this as well. Um, 
Pastor Jones just talked about this. This week has really brought me back to focus of why I'm here. What is my calling? Because our first term, as Barbara shared, was not easy. All right? To have, you know, so much conflict, I guess is the word I'll use, to have so much conflict with why we're there, you know, Barbara getting sick and being in the hospital, um, the language difficulties, you know, people, you know, difficulties with people, because, you know, I've heard this, the only time there's no arguments is when you're alone, and sometimes that's not true. So when there are two people, there are two different opinions. So there are always, there's always conflict, but we always have to refocus on the calling of why God has brought us to the place that he has brought us. So I, so I started after, after listening to that question, why are you here, I started doing researching and thinking about, and I came across an, uh, an article from Cornerstone University and Mike Ward. So this is adapted from that a little bit. I didn't use everything, but you know, just use what God. So Jeremiah 29, 11, most of us know this verse, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. So we were designed with specific plans in mind that God created us with, a purpose, a calling in our lives. So how do we find this purpose that God has created us for? How do we find our calling? We know that God wants good for us. But we also know that this world, this life, Things aren't always hunky-dory. Things aren't always going to be perfect. There's going to be trials. The Bible tells us there are going to be trials in this world. You're going to face it. In Psalms 63-7, David said, For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. I think that's a big part of something we need to think about when we're thinking about purpose and calling. Are the things that we are doing in our life bringing joy to our lives? Not only to our lives, but joy in the eyes of God. So before I talk about things that lead us to God's purpose, let's talk about some things that possibly are getting in the way of God's purpose for us, his calling in our lives. I think the, the, the number one thing and the most obvious thing is if we are living a life of sin. If your life is going against the scripture, Obviously, you are not walking with, with God, walking with Jesus. That is not what God wants for us. This one, this one is pretty straightforward, right? The first thing we need to do is to be honest with ourselves. Are we living a holy life, a sanctified life, a life in Christ, with Christ, for Christ? Is that our life? Other ones are things like, do you, does your life lack joy? 
and excitement. If you wake up every day filled with dread or just plain miserable, you're probably not doing what God meant you to do. And again, that goes back to sin. Before I was a Christian, I definitely did not live a life for Christ. I lived a life for me. It was all about me. What made me happy, what gave me joy. In reality, when I look back now, and, and I, I, I had the ability to counsel a young Ecuadorian who had a lifestyle very similar to mine, alcohol, drugs, and he's like, well, when you're a Christian, it's not fun. You don't get to do any of the fun stuff. I said, I said so when you're telling me that you've been drinking, is that fun? Is it fun waking up the next day? Is it fun doing this? And he said, no. I said, then where's the fun? Where's the fun? You know, I lived my life for myself, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be a part of. And on this side of Christ, I said, that was not fun. That was not a life. I was just walking around in an empty shell. But we also know that God has created us uniquely. He has not, he has really good things planned for us. And one of those fruits of the Spirit is joy. I can honestly say now I have more joy in my life these last 20 years than my first 30. That gives my age away a little bit, right? I have more joy in my life now following Jesus than I did the first 30 when I was serving myself. In the book, Desiring God by John Piper, he says, the pursuit of joy in God is not optional. It is not an extra that a person might grow into after he comes to faith. Not optional. Once you have that relationship, joy is going to be a part of that. Joy is going to be a part of that. So do you, if you lack excitement and joy in your life, maybe we're not following what God has planned for us. If you feel like there's no fulfillment in your life, fulfillment comes from doing rewarding, meaningful, purpose, purposeful things. For a relationship that involves giving and receiving, hobbies that are invigorating, those are things that we might find fulfillment in life. If they don't bring you meaning, they don't have a purpose, then you're not truly going to be fulfilled. And that's where I wrote this down the other day when Pastor Jones was talking. The empty way of life. I was paying attention. The empty way of life. You know, and and I'm, I'm, I could be just be paraphrasing, so forgive me of that. He said that, you know, God gave us his son Jesus so that we could have a full life in him. Not an empty life. Not an empty life. All things, all the things of this world in the end, will leave your life empty. And then finally he said, true happiness can only come from serving Jesus. 
That is so true in my life. I've only found true happiness following Christ, serving Christ. And that's, that's the most important thing. If you feel like you have no direction in your life, if you don't know God's purpose in your life, you're going to feel a constant sense of aimlessness. Why am I here? What is my purpose? I think so many people during the pandemic, now again, I, I, in Ecuador, we don't get North American news, which is good sometimes. Um, but, but you know, what, with something like 11 million jobs that are vacant in the United States right now, and I heard this statistic that there are only about 5 million people act, actually in the workforce looking for jobs. So my math was never good, but that's, that's kind of upside down, right? Like 6 million different. And so many people left their previous lives pre-pandemic because their lives were unfulfilling. They felt like they had no purpose. They were working jobs or doing whatever that just was getting them through the day. They had no real direction in their life. You may feel as you're wandering from one thing to another. And I think that's true of our youth today. Nothing excites you and you don't have any specific goals you're working towards. You're just existing. Maybe you feel stuck. You're de you desperately want to change, but you also feel totally stuck in your life. That's almost certainly a sign that you're not walking according to God's purpose. Those who are stuck want to go in a particular direction, but don't know how to get there. I was going to say, that's kind of like me driving in Ecuador. Got a great story about that one. So they spin their wheels, feeling endlessly frustrated, but unsure of how to make that frustration go away. Do you feel trapped? If those are things that are in your life and that's how you kind of feel, it's time for a change. It's time for a change. And true change only comes from a relationship with Jesus. That's the true change. That's why he says, I am the way. He is the way to true change in your life. So if you're feeling this way, what can we do? What can we do to get out of this? What does God want us to do? Well, in all things, first of all, if you feel like you don't have a purpose, take it to God. Go to God in prayer. Ask for God to give you wisdom about your decisions, about your direction in your life. That seems pretty obvious, right? But I'm guilty of making my own decisions sometimes and not taking things to God first. I think we often want to rely on our own strength, but that's not who we are. We're supposed to rely on the strength and wisdom of God. James 1.5 states, if, you, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So prayer, take it to God. 
Secondly, you know, God gave us this for a reason. Get into his word. Get into his word. The primary way God speaks to us is through his word. This means that one of the first things you should do in your search for God's purpose is to dig into scripture. Now, you're not going to find the answers to, should I become a dance instructor? Should I become a painter? But you will begin to understand the heart of God. Psalms 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Get into the word. And one of the, I can't remember who said it. One of, the, one of the pastors said something about, you know, are you really in the word? Re, doing a daily devotional every morning, you know, that's not getting into the word. Get into the word. You determine your gifts and strengths. God has given us all very specific gifts and strengths. Maybe you're great at math or great at working with others. Maybe you have a mind for electronics or construction. Maybe you're great at organizing things. And people to get things done. You know, we all have a wide range of gifts. I was never a mechanical person. I was never given that gift to work on machinery or cars. So, like I think Pastor Juman was talking about, you know, when that light comes on, I, I take it somewhere to get fixed. But I also make sure they actually fix it. I, I will admit, I will admit, Pastor Juman, I've taken a little piece of black tape and put over that light <laughs> and just kept on going. But that is not one of my strengths. You know, I think the thing that, and, and sometimes I think, I'm, I'm not sure what my strengths are, but I know this. I know this. And people ask me all the time in Ecuador, and they ask me to do something. I, I'm here to serve. God has given me a servant's heart. I'm here to serve. If I can help, I will help. If not, I will try to help. But then I will find somebody, if I can, that can help. So recognize the gifts and strengths that God has given you. And sometimes I think in missions, we think, well, I, just, I have nothing to offer. And that is so not true. That is so not true. You know, maybe your gift is a, a gift of prayer. I think every missionary you talk to will tell you, the number one thing we need is prayer. As I, I said earlier, when you step out in faith and say, I'm going to go, the enemy leaps and he jumps and he's like a big old heavy weighted backpack just trying to drag you down. Trying to drag you down. So the number one thing we need is prayer. Maybe you're a very vigorous, fervent prayer warrior. We need that. That is truly, and you might think, well, that's not a gift. That is a gift. That is a gift. And it's a very important gift. In Ecuador, 
as Brandon said, they don't need construction workers <laughs> in Japan. They got plenty of buildings. But in Ecuador, we could use that. And you don't have to be a master carpenter. You just have to be willing to go and serve. God's purpose for you probably involves the things that you're already really good at. What are you passionate about? As Barbara said, you know, she, she's a passionate teacher. And she felt like there was going to be a hole in her heart when she left and go to Ecuador because teaching was her passion. And as she said, God didn't take that passion away from her. She just he just relocated it to South America. He just relocated her passion to be a blessing to the schools in our little town of Payantanga. So what are your passions? How can they be used? And again, it goes back to prayer. Lord, what are my passions? How can I use my passions to further your kingdom? What can I do, Lord, to further your kingdom? Give me that strength and guidance. And I think one that's, that may be overlooked a little bit is bring others into your life to give you counsel. Your pastor. Godly men like David Grissom. People who can help you along your path. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, Where there is no guidance, a people fall. But in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. Right? But make sure the people you put in your life are speaking the truth, first of all. And that's the truth of Jesus. One of the things I had to tell Christian, the young man I was counseling, he said, well, how do I stop the things that I'm doing? How do I stop the things I'm doing? I said, the first thing you got to do is you got to get rid of those friends. you got to get rid of the people in your life that are leading you in the wrong direction. Find good, come to church, come to Bible study, find good Christian people that will counsel, counsel you in the ways of Jesus and what Jesus wants in your life. Not your friends who, friends, right? Not your friends. God will help you find your purpose through others. Your counselors should be people you trust, whether this is your professors, parents, friends. Uh, I don't see too many. <laughs> this is a, the young people who are up on the hill. Um, but we all have people in our lives that we count and trust as counselors, our prayer team. It needs to be people who have your back, but also people who will tell you the truth and speak the truth to you. You want wise counselors to help you find God's purpose in your life. In the end, in the end, we must always trust God's plan for our lives. Trying to discover your pur life's purpose can be stressful, it can be confusing, frustrating, but you can trust God to lead you to where he wants you to go. You know, about 10 years ago, a, a group came by our little church, and like I said, our church is very faithful with missionaries, 
a group came by, Kim and Guido Oriana came by our church. And we said, Barbara and I, our family weren't in there. We had a camper. We liked camping, so we weren't there that Sunday. But they spoke to our church, and our pastor and our youth pastor felt led to go to Ecuador with the youth team. And Olivia, growing up in the church, had heard the stories, the accounts of our trips to Haiti. And at that time, we had stopped going back to Haiti. But our trips to Haiti, and she said, I want to be a part of that. I want to go to Ecuador. She was 12 going on 13, and Barbara's like, yeah, you're not going by yourself. So she said, Todd, you need to go. We went. It changed our lives. Olivia felt when she came back at 13, she's like, yeah, this is where we're supposed to be. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that one. So we went down the next year as a, a whole family and said, well, how long do we go, Barbara? How long should we go? Well, our, our summer break was about eight weeks long. So we said, let's go for six weeks. So we went. And then the enemy starts out, what if you hate it? What, what's going on? Oh, that's a bad decision. Bad decision. You know, but following Christ is never a bad decision. Following the Spirit is never a bad decision. So we went, and six weeks were like six days. It truly, and I think we knew at that point, this is where God has called us. But like many Christians, we resisted. We went back for a few summers here and there, and we went back, I think a total about four summers, four or five summers over the next five or six years. And, and, and we talk and we say, I think that's what God really wants of us, just, just the summers, just this little bit. And we were, we were very happy giving up those summers. Then God said, all right, it's time. It's time. And with that, you know, one, of my, one of my favorite images is Peter in the boat. And Jesus is calling, come. I'm going to do the Ecuadorian way. Come. Come. And he steps out in faith. And to me, that's the point where, where we, we were sitting at a church and we're waiting to talk and share what God has put on our heart. But we were kind of half in, half out of the boat. You know, we were still teaching. Great jobs. Loved our jobs. Uh, our family was here. And we were sitting there and they were, they were teaching Bible Bible school in the morning was teaching on, and they said, you either got to get out of the boat or get in the boat. So what's it going to be? And that morning, God spoke to us and said, get out of the boat. And from that point on, we were fully committed to following God, following Jesus to Ecuador. And we are so thankful that we did. Now, some of you might say, well, you know, I'm happy in my job. I'm, I love my job. You know, I feel this is where God has called me. This is my purpose. And it well may be your purpose. But there may be more as well. There may be more. You know, Brandon talked a little bit about how you can support missionaries, how you can support the work of Christ to go. 
Pray. I already mentioned it. Prayer is the number one thing that we need as missionaries because we are constantly under attack by the enemy. You're not good enough. You don't have the right tools to do this. Your faith is not strong enough. We're always under attack. So we need your prayers. We need you. Go. If you can go, go. As I said, I think everybody needs to go get outside of your comfort zone. Now understand, if you go, it may lead to something more. It may lead to a career missionary status. But I can guarantee you what it's going to lead to is a closer relationship with Christ. When you get out of your comfort zone, he's there. He is going to be with you. That's what it leads to. There are a lot of great missionaries around today. We're going to have tables in the back. Um, Brandon already talked a little bit about his cards. We all have cards. Stop. Stop it at every table. See what God is asking you to do in your life, your heart. Can you help a missionary? If so, be faithful. Be faithful. And help. Uh, all right. Thank you so much. Uh, we're getting close to, to time for lunch. I don't want to go bell to bell. So we are going to wrap up. Barbara, you want to pray? Or you just want me to pray? All right. So I do want to pray, and I want to pray an extra special prayer for our missionary team here at Syker. Um, I love looking at the flags. If you haven't looked at the flags, Ecuador is over there. Japan over here, if you don't know. I looked this one up because I was so curious. Albania. <laughs> so, Psyker supports a lot of missionaries around the world, and we are so blessed and thankful for that support, and we are so blessed and thankful for your prayers. So continue to keep us in your prayers. Uh, check us out as, as you have fun at the missionary fair, missionary day today. Um, so let me, let me end in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We do thank you for this opportunity to share you're calling in our lives, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to share the ministries that you allow us to be a part of, Lord. And we just pray that you continue to guide our steps, Lord. Open the hearts to all here, Lord, that they can find true joy and happiness in their lives, Lord, through you. Lord, and we just thank you for Camp Syker this very special place to all of us, Lord. And we just thank you for this place of peace here, Lord, in a little bit of Mount Vernon, Ohio, Lord. We thank you for the missionary team, Lord, that has put this day together, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Bless their hands, Lord, and the work that they've done, Lord, to get everything ready for the day, Lord. We just want to thank them for their love, kindness, and mercy that they've shown us this week, Lord, and they are truly mirrors of you and your reflection, Lord, of, of what holiness and what love looks like. Please continue to bless Syker for another 152 years, Lord, or until you return. Lord, we just thank you in your son's holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy lunch. Missionary fair. You want to talk about that? 1.30. 1.30, right? 1.30 to 3.30. Enjoy, enjoy. If, if this is your first time, you'll be blessed.
Try the donuts. They still have donuts? You'll be blessed. So thank you guys so much. God bless you.